Welcome, everybody, to Spirit Addicts Podcast. Um, I put it in the video post um, just before I posted that we won't possibly have either one of the original two guests that were supposed to be on here. Omar has to reschedule due to not getting back home in time. He's out Christmas shopping. Um, Powers will probably reschedule as well. We're waiting to see if he can get on, but it seems like people are having technical issues with schedules and everything else. So if one of them pops on, great. If not, we'll reschedule it, make sure that it happens. I won't lose too much faith in us. I don't think one would be my strikeout and the other one would be a Taylor's strikeout. So I do apologize on my part, and I know he does on his part, but, you know, shit happens. There ain't nothing we can do about it. I can I can prove to you they both said they was coming, so yeah, we ain't lying to you. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of go over uh, a couple of things that are going on at FSU as far as coaching goes. And first, we're going to let Taylor talk a little bit about what happened with this Miami guy, Jordan Travis, on the Twitter or possibly Instagram. I don't know what happened. So I'm, I'm going to kind of get filled in as y'all do. Yeah, so uh, before I start with that, you know, I, I know a lot of y'all are watching that creative game that's over there at the Gasparilla Bowl with uh, Florida and UCF. So enjoy that train wreck of a, of a disaster right there. But at least Mackenzie Milton is in the crowd. So uh, former UCF quarterback and former Florida State quarterback as well. So giving him some love and hopefully the uh, Knights can pull it over against the Gators. So we'll see. But Florida's up seven to nothing right now. So it's an ugly game, like I said. But uh, just talking about the Miami Florida State beef, uh, there was actually the uh, Miami – Sophomore striker, uh, I think his name is Gilbert Frierson. Uh He actually went to Twitter and was basically just bashing Jordan Travis, uh, basically saying, good morning, America. Don't be this guy, Jordan Travis, and tagged him in the photo. Had Jordan Travis uh, basically falling on his face, flat on his face, and uh, was basically just making a joke out of uh, what Jordan Travis was doing. And uh, Basically, uh, Jordan Travis responded back just saying that he, uh, you love him, you love me for keep talking about me, and basically saying that Miami is just living rent-free. Uh, it's just something that Miami fans do. And the most uh, important part out of this argument was that uh, Kenny Dillingham, now currently employed at uh, Oregon, he's the offense coordinator now, he sent a screenshot of the 4th and 14 sweatshirt uh, from Jordan Travis uh, with his apparel. And, um, yeah, you know, you have an Oregon offensive coordinator stepping up for your quarterback, even though you're not even on, employed with the university anymore. So, but just for that, I'm wearing the uh, 4th and 14 merchandise. Uh, you can go to Jordan Travis's website, uh, jordantravis13.com, and you can be able to purchase that as well. Um, I'm sure he's going to have more merchandise this season because we're going to beat Miami like a drum this season uh, just because Crystal Ball is there. Um, Crystal Ball has a combined record of 62 and 60. So let that sink in a little bit. He's not that good of a coach. He's a very good recruiter. But we'll see how much recruits can really uh, mean for him. Uh, but just overall, I think Jordan Travis won that. And I think Kevin Dillingham basically just put the uh, the cherry on top of the argument. So just something to uh, think about. You know, I had to go on my little rant on Instagram earlier. So I don't usually do that. But basically just talking about how, how Miami's irrelevant and all they can think about is 52 to 10 when Mike Norvell didn't even participate in practice that whole week because of COVID. So enjoy that, I guess. Enjoy your five championships but no ACC championships in the last 20 years. You do. You. So, so would you say that it got kind of serious between Jordan and them, or do you think Jordan just kind of messing around? Uh, 
Well, he's been posting about Jordan all day long. Like, I don't know what his problem is. Uh, like, I literally do think he lives rent-free in his head because he is – I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's just like I don't understand what the – and I'm sorry if any Miami fans – I don't know if any Miami fans watch this, but uh, – They don't follow me. Yeah. I mean, if they did, I mean, I'm just saying because uh, they tend to do that. They tend to get on my page and, and start commenting Miami stuff. So, I mean, if anybody was attracted by – what I posted earlier about being on the live today. Uh, you know, Miami fans basically just want to relive their glory days of the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s. They think that Mario Cristobal is going to be the savior, which he could be. Don't get me wrong. He is a great recruiter. I think he can do a lot of good things there, but they're limited on what they can do. You know, they're a private school. Their stadium's about 30 minutes away. Um, you know, they don't really have a great fan base when they're attending those, uh, those football games. And just overall, I mean – a lot of the fans think that they're really back, but haven't really been back since 2001. So I don't really get it personally. I know they've had some pretty decent seasons uh, throughout this. They've had a couple of 10 win seasons. But like I said, they've never they've went to one ACC championship and they didn't win. They scored three points in an ACC uh, championship. So I, I don't personally like to take jabs at opposing fan bases or for that matter, anything, because I could care less what Miami does, personally. I, I really don't care, uh, and it isn't in my just daily routine to bash Miami, because I could care less. I, I want to see what Florida State does on the field this season, and while the argument that stands for Miami fans is that we extended Mike Norvell over a 5-7 and seven season, it was really a, just a consistency matter. It really isn't – one-year extension really doesn't do much. Uh, you still have a prove-it year in year three for Mike Norvell, and you kind of see where everything goes with that. But personally, I don't really sleep over Miami fans, and I know Jordan Travis doesn't really sleep over it either. So uh, I did post on my Instagram uh, a little bit earlier uh, about some of the um, NIL opportunities for certain players that you can go check out. I uh, posted some of their links in there. I've also posted uh, kind of like Micah, uh, Micah Pittman's his, um, YouTube channel as well. Some of the apparel uh, from Jamie Robinson, uh, Jer Jerry and Jones, Mari um, Gaynor, uh, Cam McDonald, all of those guys. So just go check that out. Uh, I posted a couple of links there. And I also, uh, most of those links are located in their Instagram profile bios. So just uh, be prepared for that. But just go support them when you can. I know a lot of Florida State fans are saying we're falling behind, I guess, in the NIL platform. And the only way you can do that is to continue to support those guys. And and hopefully that is a situation where, you know, we can be able to be the change. If you if you want to have change in this program, you be the change. And I, I say that for everything. Be a booster. Contribute. And they even have booster fans or booster plans now where you can donate $5 a month. So uh, there's really no excuse for that. I mean, $5 a month basically dwindles down to about, what, $0.60 cents a day, something like that. I mean, if, if you can donate 60 cents a day, I know that financial limitations are tough these days. COVID-19 pandemic is still out there. I hope everybody's been safe with that, by the way. Um, but like I said, if you want to be the change and and you're talking about how Florida State's not really being successful in the field, well, look at all these top elite programs that have some, you know boosters and not just big time boosters. They have small boosters and those limit to something that's really big. So if you have 500 people giving out, you know, uh, $60 a year. I mean, that adds up. So just my take on it. Yeah. You can also just make a one-time donation whenever you want. 
Yep. And it's, I think the minimum $5 that you'd have to make, but you don't have to set up on a monthly thing or a yearly thing. I mean, you can literally donate $5 at a time whenever you get an extra $5 to do it. I understand that a lot of people are season ticket holders and they pay their contributions that way, and that's great. But if you ever have an extra $5, $10 that you could put more toward the uh, boosters, that would be great as well. I, I, I do push people pretty hard to become boosters if they're not or donate if they can because a lot of people you know and it has been it's been pretty hard they used to have it you know a set where i think 25 dollars a month or something to that effect and yeah i can see where that becomes somewhat okay that's pinching the wallet a little bit too much and i got to be careful but if you have an extra five dollars you want to donate it every three months whatever 60 cents a day to me is you know I'm blessed to have the job that I have, so mm -hmm. I I get to donate as much as I as much as I'm willing to. Um, I don't necessarily have too much holding me back from doing what I need to do. So that's that's one of many. I I will say this: I did get a small report back because I was asking because when I posted on Twitter, then I saw a couple other uh, big sites start posting it. Taylor posted it. Um, then uh, I want to say Chop Chat. Uh, war chant a bunch of people the same day I, don't, I mean i'm not saying that i nor taylor started it but that's the first two that i saw post about being a booster um and then a whole bunch of uh folks started posting it and pretty much saying the same thing that you could do it you know as cheap as five dollars a month and etc well i i spoke to um the new ad michael alford he actually liked a lot of my um my, my wife's edits on Twitter and I started talking to him. I told him congratulations on becoming the new AD and I thought he was the best fit for the job and um, and I really believe that because he's, he's been a the booster president for over a year and he's done a really good job in that position. So I knew he'd be a good fit. Um, so he had told me that for some reason uh, the day that we all posted there was a, a big like amount of people donating that day so i thought that was really cool and i explained to him that i don't want to take the credit as far as myself but i can tell him that twitter and facebook and instagram was pretty much blowing up about be you know becoming a booster and what it's been lowered to as far as contribution wise of how low you could actually donate so he started doing some stuff you know looking around and i'm sure when he gets his first um i would say interviewish because uh, he don't really technically start till January. He will probably say something about it um, just because he said he would like to like it to keep moving that way and for pages to, you know, support the boosters as much um, as we did that day. It's to continue to help them out because it needs to be spread more. Uh, there's not a whole lot of great advertising out there for being a booster at FSU, in my opinion, because I think a lot of people are, you know, hung up on, well, until the team starts winning, I'm not giving no money. Well, the team can't start winning until we get facilities that make players want to come here like the rest of the schools that are out there, the big ones, that is. Um, with that said, I'm going to go into possible coaching, hires, retirements, <clears throat> firing, mutual buys, however you want to look at it. Uh, Taylor's going to be a little bit vague on this more than I am. I'm yeah. pretty up front with it because I just really don't care. Um, 
Odell Higgins has the right to stay here until he decides to leave. Um, a lot of people say he can't recruit. And I, I disagree. I'm not going to say he's the greatest recruiter. He's definitely not the best one on the staff. But I won't say that he's terrible. Um, but as far as developing defense ends and develop, developing defense, period, developing the lines, whatever, uh, the man, you know, what was it, three, four years ago, everybody wanted to be the head coach? You know, the same people are saying that we need to get rid of him now are the people that were saying that he should be considered for the head coaching position before we hired Taggart. And then once Taggart got fired, we brought it up again. Is Odell Higgins going to take over as the head coach? We want Higgins. We want Odell. That man didn't want the position because I think if he would have wanted it, he would have gotten it because of, I mean, was he been there like 30-something years? Yeah. Um, the loyalty that he has to this program is second to none. I mean, he did get coached under two of the greatest to ever do it at FSU. So he has the same loyalty. Um, but I don't think Odell Higgins should have to leave until he's ready to. Um, now, with that being said, there's been, you know, mad rumors that he's getting ready to retire. And that's true. He has said, he has, he has picked up the idea of retiring. And, again, him and Coach Dugans both have their contracts are up in January of 2022. Now, does that fall on a certain day? I don't know. I would uh, imagine. I will, I will say this though: um, with them, ex- or you know, last day basically being January thirty first of twenty twenty two, that really isn't because of you know them being on the verge or the staff did that. It's because they were under an old regime, so they basically kind of extended it different times. So that it really isn't a clarification of why that is. That that's exactly the reason why. So. Just to give you a thought uh, process on that one. I got you. Um, I don't think Dugan should be completely removed from the staff if he doesn't want to be. Like if he wanted to become an, become an analyst or something to that effect, I think that would be a good fit. Uh, as far as him being the wide receivers coach, no. Um, for us not to land a single 2022 receiver in this class is – like, if that's not eye-opening for the entire staff, the entire uh, Boosters Club, and the entire fan base, then maybe you should open your eyes a little bit wider because not landing a wide receiver is – it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't understand why we couldn't. Um, now, maybe maybe there's, you know, unforeseen things that happen, but I, I do not believe that, that this staff – with Mike – Norvell being a wide receiver coach at one point in his career, with Dugans being a player at FSU at one point in time, and Dugans having the, the resources that he has to bring in recruits, for him not to get one wide receiver this entire um, all season, uh, we recruited the entire season. But you know, it's just I don't get it. I understand that we had you know Mortimer um, on the hook for a while and. He flipped yeah. to go to Louisville, and I understand that Kevin Coleman's still out there, uh, but he's not coming to FSU, in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong, but I don't see it happening. Well, I will say this um, about Mortimer. Uh, they reacted a little bit later on that process. Uh, when they saw the visits happen, of course, there's a policy with Florida State. So, really, if you're going to visit other schools, they're going to cut ties. I mean, they're, they're not going to play basically 
your style of play. They're not going to let you um, – they're okay with letting you enjoy the process and visiting other schools and everything like that if you're honest with them. But if you're not honest and you're just going to different schools and just saying, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm still going to stay committed uh, and it just gives me another option until then, they saw the tea leaves and didn't do anything about it. And really the reason why they didn't do anything about it was because they're so desperate at receiver. And that's just being plain honest. Um, I can't really shape it any other way. Whenever he did go to those visits for Louisville and West Virginia, you saw a situation where Florida State was kind of uh, – he was, he was making a little bit of a run at Louisville, and Louisville was given a couple of opportunities at Satterfield's offense. And uh, just right now, Florida State was shell-shocked on Saturday with Devon Mortimer not choosing Florida State. And quite frankly, it stung. That was probably – it probably stung more than another defensive back that committed elsewhere. Um, that, that probably stung the most because – now you're looking at a situation where Micah Pittman is your only receiver, uh, transfer-wise now, uh, that you got this cycle, basically. And he's a junior. Um, and I'm not saying that our wide receivers are terrible, because they're not. They're not terrible. Uh, they have a problem a little bit of creating separation for each other. I think there are receivers on this roster that cannot create separation, and that's kind of their issue right now. Um, and you can blame a lot of it on Jordan Travis not being able to throw downfield and whatnot, whatever you want to blame for that. But when you don't have receivers that can create separation, there's a big-time mess-up on that. Um, you know, I won't name names of who can't create separation and who can, but, you know, there is a chance that Florida State can kind of ride themselves a little bit. You know, uh, they got a couple of guys they're looking at right now with uh, Josh Sanders, uh, you also got guys like Charles Robinson, the Louisiana Lafayette commit that, that they just offered a couple of days ago. Um, it's a little bit concerning because he's only got a couple of offers right now. I do like his film. Uh, he's six one, plays on the outside a lot, has sure hands, doesn't really have top-notch speed. And with Devon Mortimer, a four-star receiver that just got elevated, he has top-notch speed. He's one of the best slot receivers in the state of Florida. And you thought when Devon Mortimer committed to Florida State, uh, you basically got an elite talent at wide receiver. And when you lost him, you basically lost the best slot receiver in, in the state of Florida, in, in the whole country probably. Um, he was that dynamic. Um, so to say that was just a, a tiny bit of a loss is a little bit of an understatement. And you kind of have to evaluate the staff on that. You have to evaluate what you're doing in recruiting because at that point you're trying to figure out what you got to do. And realistically uh, – in terms of just recruits trying to replace freshmen because you need freshmen on your roster to replenish the depth that you have each year. Um, it's nice to have transfers that are very experienced, but you also have to have some, some, you know, sophomores and freshmen to kind of overlap some of the roster uh, limitations that you have. And really other than Taj, uh, Taj Sanders um, from Lowndes, and I think he's playing at Quincy now, um, Xavion Thomas, he's a guy that we haven't even offered yet, but, he did come over the summer. Maybe there might be something there. Um, he's from Louisiana, so maybe that's something to think about. And Robinson, really, who else do you have that's left? And that's what Florida State really did, and they put all their eggs in the basket for Kevin Coleman. And like Chris said, I don't even know if we're going to end up with Kevin Coleman. And you got to kind of follow the visit sometimes. And Kevin Coleman visited Miami for his last visit. Crystal Ball came to Miami, and he had a great relationship with him, him over there at Oregon. And I just don't know 
what Florida State was doing. There, there are certain wide receiver prospects that they should have at least kept the warmer on for, and they didn't. So I'm, I'm very concerned in that in that regard. Um, I thought I was a little bit more concerned about linebacker, but once you lost Mortimer, it your your options are now just remotely nothing at this point, and you're trying to pick your way out of it. But how do you pick yourself up from this? That's that's the problem I want to ask. Yeah, that's it, there's like literally nothing left on the board no. um, as far as recruiting out of high school goes, and there's not a whole lot that's entered the transfer portal yet either. I do want to bring up a positive though. I mean we. We're bringing in one hell of a, uh, in my opinion, one hell of a punt returner that don't have problems catching a, a, a yeah. kickoff or a punt with yeah. Micah Pittman coming in from Oregon. It's kind of weird we traded. That's what I said. I said what people ain't talking about is we kind of made a trade. Hey, we'll take Micah Pittman. Y'all take Dillingham. I mean, that's how I look at it. We're, we'll give y'all a coach. Give us a wide receiver. We need one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people were, were bashing this kid and saying that, wow, he only had X amount of yards this season, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, he wasn't being utilized correctly. I can give you that. I can promise you he wasn't being utilized, but when he had his opportunities, you need to pay attention to what he did. Uh, I want to actually direct someone uh, to who Anthony Brown is as a quarterback at Oregon. He is awful. And just to let you know, uh, when he was at Boston College, Taggart had beat him twice, <laughs> um, and that was a terrible Boston College team. They were, I mean, They're good defensively. And, and they run the ball very well. But their offense is surrounded by running the football. And he's a dual-threat quarterback that likes to run. So when you have options as a wide receiver coach, and Micah Pittman, if you haven't followed his YouTube channel, him and his girlfriend are, are both doing one together. Uh, he talks about and explains why he left Oregon. And it was sort of the mindset that his coach and also his wide receiver coach had basically pointed out and saying, you know what, we're a run-first football team, and we're not, you know, we're still going to try to give you the ball, but it never come. And it's not that Micah Pittman is selfish, but they promised him year after year after year, and the most he's got out of college in a season was like 460 yards. So, I mean, how is how is he supposed to sell his brand to himself? And I'm not saying that he's selfish and all about himself. I'm just saying as a, as a college receiver in a Power 5 conference and you're only averaging about 300 yards per season or 250 yards per season, how do you expect to do anything with that? You know, your average is really good. You're averaging like 14, 15 yards a catch. Uh, you've got about seven or eight touchdowns on, in your career. But how do you produce and go to the next level and go where you want to go? And sometimes that's where the transfer portal is really good. And you had an opportunity where Florida State was missing – a couple of guys, and they need uh, really a good spark and talent, uh, especially at punt return and kickoff return. Uh, special teams needs to improve this year, and I think Florida State really hit the nail on the head with that. thought DeMar Mortimer would have been a nice option there. It would have been great if we would have had both of them. But um, just personally, I think we did hit a very good receiver there, even though the stats didn't suggest it as much. But um, I'm excited to see uh, how he goes. And just for – Food for thought, uh, that Oregon wide receiver coach that he was talking about that had promised him so much actually got uh, – he is now coaching at Miami. So if you want to, rec- you know, point recruits to any direction, point them to that video that Micah Pitt is talking about basically why he left Oregon uh, because basically his head coach and his wide receiver coach both told him – they promised him that and 
that gave him what twenty targets. I mean, uh, what are you going to do with twenty targets? You know, you can get right. twenty targets still, and uh, you're not getting eight hundred yards a season. So, and I'm not saying right. he will at Florida State, but I, I think he will be utilizing the slot. I, I think there's a lot of good possibilities there that can come out of that. And really, your only real slot receivers are probably Chicago Douglas and Keyshawn Hilton are probably your two that are really true slot receivers. And Chicago Douglas, is st- they still don't know what they want out of him yet. So you're hoping that's that's the hope with him. But uh, you know, you can put him anywhere on the field really at that point. But I'm super excited to see where he ends up though. I, I think that was a really good pickup for us. And I, I wanna I almost want to see us pick three um, either transfers or maybe one recruit and two transfers, some, something along those lines. And hopefully the transfer is a little bit younger. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. There's there's two JUCO kids that I'm kind of paying attention to. Um, I don't think you really transfer in the JUCO system. I don't think that's how that works. But yeah. anyway, there's two of them that finally got their grades up mm-hmm. that are reaching out to schools and letting them know because as far as what they do on the field is – Hopefully we don't have to go through with one of the signees that didn't get to sign December 15th uh, that we have. I'm hoping that's not what happens. I hope he doesn't have to go the Juco route. Um, but if he does, I wish him all the best. But I don't foresee that, hopefully. Um, you know, a lot of people are asking. I've gotten three messages on here to me on Facebook. Is Destin Hill a real person? Yes, Destin Hill's a real person. Yeah, I promise he's real. Um, I don't release his information as far as what's happened, why he wasn't here last year, because it was asked not to do so. Do I know why he's not here? Yes, I know why he's not here. Do I think it's any of my business or if my concern to release why he's not here? No, I don't. Thanks. And if I did, he clar- clarified that he did not want that to be said, did not want people to know why he was not here. Just know that he's not here for a good reason. That's all that matters. Know that, yes, it might be this summer. Yes, it might be January when he shows up. There are all rumors around this kid. I can tell you this much. War Chant, 247, and all the rest of them, that report, they don't even have this kid's phone number because he got a new phone number because they wouldn't leave him alone. Is what he said to me. So, at some point in time, this young man, will, young man will show up on campus, and everybody can quit worrying about where Destin Hill is. I'm not worried about if he's going to show up. I'm worried about how rusty is he going to be, saying how he's had to not play football for a year. Mm. Where's he going to be at, you know, physically and mentally, with losing a year of playing the game? Excuse me. But is he real? Yes, he's real. I've seen him in the flesh. He's a real person. He's not a hologram. He's not a made-up story. People kill me with that. He's not. Yeah, he's not a um, Toa, whatever that guy's name was, girlfriend situation. Yeah, he's man. a real person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've released that there's going to be a lot of big news coming out in January for Florida State, and there there is because one, you find out when Destin Hill is going to be on campus. Two, you'll possibly find out if Woody is going to be able to sign in February. Three, you'll know by then 
whether Dugan's and Odell's going to be retained on the staff, which therefore then you'd find out who we're going after if not. Four, they're supposed to release the exact location that we're going to start building a standalone facility for the football program because they have switched it like three times. So they have to have an answer by January or February because they have to start building it for it to be ready by spring of the following season. You don't start building it, it won't be ready. Four, the Nike contract is up in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Now, do we go back with Nike? Do we change the uniforms? Do we sign with somebody else? What's Florida State do? Well, I can tell you that Florida State has enough merit with that Chief Osceola logo right here, the new one and the old one, because it still stands for the same thing, that Adidas, Under Armour, um, I forget who the other company was, but are all coming after bidding on being able to take Florida State's contract. So with that said, I would prefer us to stay with Nike. A lot of people don't like the new logo. I've gotten used to it. And when it first came out, I did not care for it uh, because it's hard for us to change. I didn't like when we had a new head coach come in in Jimbo Fisher. I didn't like change. If you can get over us taking Jimbo Fisher as the head coach and not giving Bobby Bowden his last season, you should be able to get over the logo. If you can't, keep running the old one. I'm not going to say nothing to you about it. Because I still have plenty of things with the old one on it. But after I've had a shirt for 15 years, it's got holes in it. It stinks. I quite frankly don't wear it in public places. So, yes, you will see me with the new logo on. Do I have a problem with Nike? No, I don't. Um, I could care less of who the brand is for Florida State that carries Florida State's brand. I care about, like, hell, Nick Saban said it best. I care more about who's in the uniform than what uniforms we got. And that was based toward Oregon because they've got like 74 different highlight colors. You know, human highlighters is what they look like to me. And, yes, I'm knocking the Ducks because they took Dillingham. And <laughs> Here's the thing. I know that we took Willie Taggart from them, but this is not an even swap. They got Dillingham, and Dillingham is nowhere near as bad as Willie Taggart in, in any way that you look at it. He will be way more productive than Willie Taggart was for us, regardless of how you look at it. I want to know, Taylor, I think we had a huge pickup. Which I mean, we might have talked about it last time, but in the center that we got the transfer, Lyles from uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a huge pickup. Let me say this, um, and I don't mean to bash anybody from the graphics department, but you got to spell his first name right, all right? You've got to you've got to spell his first name right. That's, that's the first thing. Yeah, they uh, – yeah. He took it down, but – he put the profile picture in there, but you know how Twitter is. You know, it crops just what you want. So spell his first name right. That's – I know we've went through a lot of changes in the graphic department, but please spell his name right because that is a horrible look. Uh, that's that's just – let me just go ahead and get that out of the way. I, I don't mean to bash the graphics department because they do a tremendous job, but make sure you spell somebody's name right and have somebody proofread it before you do it because you don't have an edit button when it comes to stuff like that. Because uh, that that is like bullet uh, board material for like other schools to use that against you. So just you know, caution yourself with that one. But as just just Caden Wiles in general with the Y, by the way, uh, basically he has a lot of great potential. 
you know, he he was able to play all across the offensive line at tackle, at guard, and mostly at center. Um, he played a little bit of defensive end when he uh, first enrolled there at Wisconsin. And his PFF grades were actually decent. Uh, don't really base some of the stuff off PFF because they are a little bit skewed at times. And he was more of in a reserve role at times, too. Um, I think this is more of a situation like Dylan Gibbons. Uh, you know, he's able to come in there, but it's a little bit different scenario for Florida State because you're able to bring in a guy that's going to more than likely play the center position. They promised him the center position or interior guard uh, situation there. But uh, Marie Smith is only about 275, 276. Uh, he's yeah. a little bit on the small side. He, you know, you saw a lot of times where he was getting a little bit pushed around. Injuries happened uh, a couple of times because his durability isn't the greatest. Um, it gives you another option at center. And you saw Florida State struggled last year. Just somebody just snapped the ball. And really the only consistent option you had was your tackle Darius Washington, which I hope they slide into guard. But you got to see what you have in Bless Harris. So that's the other obstacle that you have there. But Putting Caden Lobs there at center allows you to basically have Maurice Smith as a virtual redshirt option, I guess you could say. Give him another year to develop in the strength and conditioning program. And hopefully by the end of the season, you can see him at maybe 295, 300, and be a capable center. Now, with Caden Lobs, you know, it's a situation where Florida State's going to have to figure out what they got to do there. And personally, and this is just me talking just from – just from a uh, logistics standpoint, I, I do think that he'll be the starting center next year. Now, Murray Smith could probably push there. Maybe even Darius Washington could push, but we'll see with that. But, I mean, with him being a redshirt senior, this is a perfect opportunity for uh, him to come in there, train Murray Smith a little bit more, and maybe even got, get a guy like Thomas Schrader. I know he's been out for, like, an injury so far, and uh, we didn't get to see him last year, but – you know, maybe Zane Herring can be taught up and developed. Maybe a guy like Lloyd Willis can kind of step up a little bit later on. And maybe he can even be a candidate for left tackle. You know, we were maybe you put uh, Robert Scott on one side. Maybe you put Darius Washington where Devontae Love-Taylor is. And maybe you put a Caden Lyles where at center. And you kind of have to figure out what you got at left tackle. And that could be an option. Or maybe you go with one of the freshmen. I, I don't really know. But I do think that that's a good option uh, for Florida State going forward is – is just trying to get that backup option for Marie Smith. And I think that was a great pickup. And that was something that not a lot of people talk about. They just think, oh, it's an offensive lineman. We need help. You know, you know the narrative for Florida State yeah. offensive lineman. Uh, I think it was a huge pickup. And I think Florida State really hit the nail on the coffin with this one. I, I don't know if uh, you're paying any attention to Twitter and stuff at this moment, but it's kind of, this is, I just posted it on Twitter um, while well, I retweeted it, but. There is, it seems to be this is live right now at the UCF uh, versus Florida game. Mm -hmm. There is a Florida fan in the stands wearing a Hernandez jersey. Oh, God. Oh, man. That's a bad look. That's a real bad look. That's what I posted to. I said, bad, not good. Uh, not at all. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty bad look. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, it is. A it's at the U.S. It's the U.S. It's now. It's live. Yeah, I just saw it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pretty bad look. Um, hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, not good. Yeah, Florida fans. Are uh, well, that's that's U.S. fans for you. Um, 
I mean, now look, I'm gonna go ahead. If you have his jersey, what do you what do you do with it? Like, what the same thing with like if you have a Riley Cooper jersey? I I know he had some uh, questionable word choices that I would never repeat. Um, I know his his thing with Gator fans are not uh, the greatest. Um, and you also got got. I mean, I guess you could still wear a Percy Harvin jersey. I don't see really any thing there. He had some minor scruff up with the wall later on. But, yeah, I, I would personally not ever wear it again. Uh, if you want to keep it just for memorabilia, saying he just you know, had a couple of I'm, – I'm going to hate I'm gonna hate on one of our fans for a moment, and hopefully they watch this or see this. Mm-hmm. But please, and I know this is a long time ago, and I understand that this person I'm about to speak of was acquitted of all charges – but please don't wear the O.J. Simpson jerseys to the games. Yeah. Yeah. Please. With the white Bronco on the – the lady beside him had the white Bronco uh-huh. shirt on. And I'm like, why – there wasn't trolls. They were real <laughs> – they were real fans. And I was like, why are we wearing well, the O.J. Simpson jersey? Let me say this, though. I mean, at least he was acquitted for a murder. I mean, this guy actually killed somebody. Like <laughs> – and Mike does not have killed somebody. He might have killed a couple of people that we don't know about. So, I'm, True. I, I mean, it's it's been like evidence is, is pointing to this way. So, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Tim Tebow, I don't know. He might have knew about it. I don't know who knew about it back then. I mean, <laughs> it could have been more. It could have been more than that. It could have been before the NFL. So, I don't know. Just a bad look either way. Well, you know, if we'll if we'll burn Deion Sanders jerseys because he pulled a recruit from us, yeah. and Florida fans will wear a Hernandez jersey to a bowl game this year. I don't know which one makes the least sense, but just let's not do either one, please. Florida yeah. folks are we're different down here. It seems. Yeah. I'm gonna hate on us a little bit. I'm, I'm I live here, so I guess yeah. that I won't. But. Uh, just make better decisions on what clothing you wear um, or maybe who you follow. Somebody else that I want to bring up, you know, everybody's worried about Woodson being pulled to Memphis as a defensive coordinator. Uh, it has been confirmed that Memphis has been in contact with uh, Woodson. It has been confirmed that they're offering him the defensive coordinator position. A lot of that's true. Nothing's like a lie or a rumor or just some BS pulled up. It's actually true. Um, I expect within the next probably two weeks there'll be a decision made as far as that goes. But until then, until there's actually something to report that he's taking or not taking the position, don't keep asking me about it because I promise you once I hear uh, whether he's going to take it or not, I'll let you know. I'm not going to keep it a secret. Uh, so I will there's say nothing to report. This does remind me of a lot of things where th- – it, it comes full circle because either you love Dillingham or you hate him. You know, it, you, you just talked about it before. So I don't know. Some of you may not remember this, but, you know, Florida State, when they first made their defensive back hire, it was TJ Rushing. You know, he eventually left and went elsewhere. And people were like, oh, well, who is this? Who is this Woodson guy we're bringing in? Who is this? I mean, I, I was really in depth with, you know, TJ Rushing. And, Lo and behold, you know, Woodson is actually a very, very good recruiter and a, and a good coach. And people seem to forget about T.J. Rushing. So 
now if Florida State is able to bring away Woodson, you know, now now what do you think? Like people start to overreact again. And what do we do? We bring in more guys because Florida State is, uh, you know, that three-letter phrase that we like to use a lot of times. And, you know, it it just kind of happens. And it's kind of ironic how people kind of talk about that and how people view some of that stuff. So uh, it's the same thing with Alex Atkins. People are like, oh, he's from Charlotte, so he must not be very good. Um, it's the same principle. And I would, I, I just hate for people to overreact right now until you see how it plays out. Um, rumors are rumors. So, yeah, they may be in contact, but, you know, maybe nothing comes about it. You know, you never know. Maybe uh, Woodson wants to stay another year, and then he tries to find a deeper role than just a Memphis defensive coordinator job. Maybe he tries to get more along the lines of a Power 5 job. Maybe that could be a situation there. So I wouldn't really rule it out right now, um, but I would closely monitor it because Sam McCall, like I said, is there. As of Rand Thomas is still there, you know, you have to figure out those guys and some of the defensive backs that we have on the roster right now. But, I mean, personally, I just think it's a lot of smoke. And um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll still be there kind of supporting Marcus Woodson. And we'll support him even if he leaves. So, I mean uh, – Personally, I wouldn't be declined. So what if you go to a situation where, you know, you, we went from TJ rushing to Marcus Woodson. So you say Marcus Woodson goes to Memphis to be the, the defensive defensive uh, coordinator job there. Uh, what if we were able to hire a guy like Terrell Buckley? Would, you, would fans talk about it or would they just completely just forget about Woodson and say, oh, you know what, we got Terrell Buckley. Uh, we're fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the honest answer is, is they would say we got Terrell Buckley and they wouldn't move on. They wouldn't. Because exactly. fans are fickle until it happens, like until something happens. Or if it's a guy that they don't really know and they're like, oh, man, we've replaced Marcus Woodson for this guy. And then that guy turns out to be really good. So it's a never ending cycle that fans will never get out of. And it's all about looking at a stat sheet and saying, oh, look at that. They played at Bowling Green. But, you know, and I don't want to uh, be too much on the Florida bandwagon, but Urban Meyer did coach it. Bowling Green at one point, so and he's he's won a couple of national championships. Just saying, uh, Bobby Bowden. I mean, Nick Saban was a assistant, a grad assistant at Kent State. So yeah, that's what they I'm saying. Start somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, Bobby Bowden, coach at Sanford, was able to go up, coach at Florida State. You saw how the how the legacy went there. Everybody has to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, and you're not going to get a Florida State job as your first ever job. Unless you're really lucky. I mean, you can go a grad assistant, maybe step your way up. But I'm saying most of the guys take a hard time to get there. And you saw a guy like Kenny Dillingham. He was at the high school ranks, went up in Arizona and was able to migrate his way to Memphis, you know, and then, then Auburn and, you know, and so forth. So, I mean, like I said, everybody starts somewhere. You can't really bash someone for starting somewhere. And it's the same thing about uh, – like, let's just say, for example, the Charles Robinson kid. I had a, a couple of followers kind of comment on something and say, why are we going after three stars? You have to start somewhere. I mean, there's not really much you can do. I mean, some of these recruiting databases, they don't really evaluate as properly because it is COVID out there. They can't go to every single game. They don't evaluate properly in general. And that's why you're seeing some of these databases or, you know, some kids might be like Julian Armella at, on Rivals.com. He's a five-star. But on two, four, seven, he's a four star, and on on three, he's a four star. So I mean, what's to say that uh, Warchant went to that game and evaluated him when he had a really, really good game, 
And then let's just say two, four, seven, and on three went to evaluate, and he had a really poor game or an all right game or something like that that was very uh, not memorable. So, I mean, that's just always something to think about when you think about these coaches and where they come from. It shouldn't really be a concern there. It should always be, okay, let's just see how this guy does. And if he does really well and develops at a high level and coaches at a high level and everybody really likes him, then we'll see how the fan base kind of reacts to that. Yeah. Uh, something else, you know, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of media sites for Florida State. You know, a lot of times I really don't. There's one thing that Josh Newberg said um, on on the bench, and he also said it on the Twitter Spaces that they've been doing quite often here lately. He said that. He doesn't believe that any fans or anybody should panic as far as the transfer portal goes, um, because you got to think that uh, is it Dylan Gibbons? He didn't sign until May tenth. Yep. So you have a long ways to go with this transfer portal to be worried about whether we get wide receivers or a linebacker or anything to that nature. Basically, you don't want to jump too fast and pull just anybody in. So. Give it some time, see who enters the transfer portal, and then go after your guy. Go after the guy that you want. Like, so they went after they went after um, Micah real quick because they knew they wanted him. Obviously, when your guy gets in there, whenever that is, you go after him. And I will so, say, um, Micah Pittman actually was debating whether to sign in the spring or the summer. You know, they wanted to get him in in January. That's important to get him in in January so they can early enroll, get practices in, and everything like that. But if they're not ready, they're not ready. I mean, you can't force anybody to be ready for that. Right. So, I mean, all I'm saying is don't freak out because we don't have three wide receivers right now that we – look, I think I think that the current wide, wide receiver core, as I could talk, that's in there as far as, like, Helton, um, he did okay. He, I mean, he did okay. He didn't do great. wasn't, like, blow you out of the water kind of deal. Um and Malik didn't like blow everybody out of the water, but you gotta—he's a true freshman. That you know, this past season, that's a true freshman, and he did, in my opinion, excel in games. There was games, the ones I didn't expect him to do anything in, the games he had a bad uh, or a great catch or a great block on yeah. the outside for Corbin or Ward that I didn't expect him to do. So I think, what well, is he going to be a definite number one wide receiver next year? I'm not saying that, but. Let's see how the kid develops. Let's see what happens with him. Yeah, and I'm not saying that we have terrible receivers, like I said before. I mean, Malik McClain was an early enrollee, and then you also had Joshua Burrell that was an early enrollee. He had a shoulder injury this past season and was, wasn't really able to go or do anything for the most part. Darian Williamson was another kid they really liked in that 2020 class. And then uh, also you had Kentron Portier, which was also another kid they really liked. I mean, they – they were able to – that's, you know, four productive young receivers that they have that they really like. And even Ja'Kai Douglas, if you want to put him in there, uh, he was a converted quarterback, played quarterback in high school, but they recruited him as basically a tailback slash um, wide receiver. So he's a little bit on the smaller side. He's about 5'9". So, uh, I mean, those are five receivers that you really, really like. You know, and, and that's not even including Keyshawn Helton, Ontario Wilson, and Micah Pittman. I mean, that's eight receivers that are quality yep. receivers. I mean, now Burrell, you got to see what he does because, it, you know, with that, he's up to about 225 now, almost 230. Um, not bad weight, good weight, not Marquise and Douglas weight. 
Uh, he's actually doing really well in, in his recovery process so far. I spoke to him the other day. Uh, he, he should be fine going to there. Uh, he just had an infection, so he had to go back in and, and get that procedure done and everything. But overall, he should be good to go. Malik McLean, like I said, another year be very good for him. But it's not a big thing. I mean, these receivers are very talented. They're capable of doing everything. They just have to do a better job of creating separation. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we'll see. A, look, here's the other thing. I think our offensive line definitely got better last year. They're definitely better than they were the previous couple of years. But were they where they need to be? No. By no means was our offensive line where it needs to be. With adding these pieces that we're bringing in with the transfer um, out of Wisconsin, some of the – I think there's going to be a couple of 2022 kids that could, you know, expect them to make the rotation anyway. I'm not going to say they'll start, but I think they can make the rotation in a little bit of depth. One or two of them, maybe. But with the pieces that you're bringing in where you could, like, Taylor said it last time, and he might have just said it tonight, I don't know. But if you can move Washington on the inside, pull him in by bringing in some of these other guys, and you put this uh, new guy from Wisconsin in at center. Hopefully, Washington. I mean, uh, what's the kid's name that's at center now? Uh, Murray Smith. Smith. If we can get his weight up, that would help. That would help a whole lot, in my opinion. If we can get him at, at a good size for a center, we we would be all right. But I expect our offensive line to be better this year. Versus last year as well. I think we're going to improve. I think when you bring in anybody else, it should help improve it. But with an offensive line that's not, you know, able to give a quarterback a whole lot of time, it's kind of hard to get the ball to the receivers when a quarterback's running for his life. That's why you see Jordan take off a lot. And, you know, there was a lot of mixed match on who's going to be the starter. We went back and forth like three or four games here. Is it Milton? Is it Travis? Like, who are we using? So, there was just a lot of – I think there was a whole lot of practice games last year, unfortunately. Like, we're trying to see what we got, who we can use where, and that's why you started seeing us either win or lose small. We started losing the game small because we started putting people in the right place. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this year we got it more figured out and we can start winning the games that we're supposed to win. Um, I just think you give them a shot. You know, this – Buckle down one more year. Let's see how things go. Uh, let's stop the Norvell hot seat talk. If you, yes, we could fire Norvell next year. Uh, I, I don't know why we would. Uh, do you want to go through four? Basically, like four out of the last five classes that we've had has either been a transition class or a COVID class. Um, that is ridiculous, and that's why we don't have any seniors or juniors because. You're basically saying, okay, let's hit the reset button. Let's hit it again. Let's hit it again. And it's like, and I talked about this before on my Instagram page, and I got a little bit of hate just because certain people don't like to hear that kind of stuff. But you have to realize, Norvell is 8-13 and 13 right now, and Taggart is 9-12. and 12. Yes, that is a one-game difference. Yes, Taggart technically has a better record. But if you really think about it, you really you really undo everything that's going on right now. Florida State last season had a three and six season. They lost terribly. They lost by I think it was a, a sixty three point average or something like that uh, point margin. And you know we we dwindled it down this season to to losing close, and we were able to finish the season five and seven after starting the season zero and four. I might add, 
Um, you had your opportunities against Florida. You had them against NC State, even with a dwindled roster. You had them against Clemson. As you can tell, you had them on the ropes at the very end. Uh, you had Louisville on the ropes at the very end. But like Chris said, you know, when you're going back and forth on quarterbacks, your quarterback isn't really maintaining health as much. And I get it. I, I am one of the biggest Tra Jordan Travis fans. Uh, I really do appreciate everything that he's done for this university. That's why I buy his merchandise. I think he is everything that Florida State stands for, and he really wants to be there and be there for his guys. Um, I do think that he get, needs to get more durable because that's going to be a situation where Florida State's going to have to get better in that regard to all of their players. And I think being in, in a, another year of the strength program, I think it's going to happen. But under Mike Norvell, you've really seen a size of improvement. These guys are actually playing for Mike Norvell. They are absolutely going out there, trying as hard as they can to be able to fight for him. And you can see that in the post-game speeches. You can see that after the celebration there. And you can even see it with the uh, situation with the Jacksonville State loss. You know, these guys were, you know, they were lost and devastated. You know, a lot of Florida State fans, they thought the sky was falling because it's just where we were as a program. You're like, oh, gosh, not again. You know, you're seeing Jacksonville State plant the flag and, you know, the, the rest of that. Um there was a lot of bashing going back and forth with certain players, but you have to understand that there's a time where you hit the reset button and it was with Taggart because there were certain instances where you couldn't do that with an administration. The administration didn't really take it seriously. And, you know, you can blame it on a lot of things. And I'm not necessarily saying that one and a half years is probably enough for Taggart. I do think that he deserved to get a fair shot. And I think in part he did. But I think the, under, the organization kind of understood. And you don't want to go four years and be a Scott Frost situation where you don't think it's never going to end. And now you're too far deep into kind of hitting that reset button. I think they hit it just in time to say, you know what? Your class really isn't working out as much. Some of these recruits are not you're not getting. And now you go through a couple of years with Mike Norvell. You go, it, it sucks that he had to start his first year with the COVID uh, pandemic season. That really took a damper on things. You didn't have a spring. And I know a lot of first-year coaches didn't have a spring. But a lot of first-year coaches did not have two years before that Willie Taggart. You know, didn't have, have the 2017 debacle with Jimbo Fisher. Not a lot of programs had that. So, I mean, it's just a situation where you have to think about that. And the administration understood that. They're going to give Mike Norvell probably four to five years. So that's why I'm saying year three is so pivotal. Because you went into a season going five and or three and six, went there going five and seven. If you're able to go this season and let's just say get six and six or seven and five, which is a reasonable expectation with the schedule they have now, I think that that's that's doable, especially when you have Duquesne, you know, Louisiana Lafayette. You know, you have you have some decent regular season games. You have the LSU and Florida game, of course. You know, you're gonna have to figure out what your conference games look like and how they're scheduled and brought up and everything. But I mean in reality, I mean, it's not a bad schedule to look at. You have, I think it's like 14 or 15 returning starters on offense and defense. That's really promising. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of great things going on for Florida State right now. And I don't really think it should be anything for Mike Norvell. You can blame a lot of things on TH. I'll just say as a abbreviation because I'm tired of talking about it. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. And – it's something that Florida State fans keep harping on. The past is the past. You know, you got you got to move on. And a lot of people are going to keep bringing up the Sam Howell for Walt Bell. But guess what? Sam Howell is 
two and you know, zero and two against Florida State. Like, what has he done for this program? Nothing. He has done absolutely nothing. He can be a top five pick all he wants to, but when they turn on the film and watch him against Florida State, you know what he did? Nothing. He didn't do anything. So, just to say that, you know, let let TH do whatever he wants to do. Let him commit to wherever he wants to commit. Let him let him get whatever endorsement deals or, or whatever he's going there for. I respect the hell out of HCBUs, and I think that they're a really good, you know, program. I think Dion sells a program very, very well. But at the end of the day, Florida State fans have got to quit complaining. That's that's the bottom line. If you, like I said, if you want to complain about certain things and you're not invested to the program and being a booster, I don't want to hear it. I, I really don't want to hear you continuously just you know, basically blaster this this community and this organization, this university when you don't even know it's the school. So I just think it's a lot of times where we get to a situation where we get frustrated. I understand everybody gets frustrated. It's okay to be critical of a certain situation, but you have to understand that this coaching staff is doing everything they can. Now, if they don't make any changes by year three and they're still struggling by year three and year four and year five, and you're going to a Nebraska situation, then it's time to fire Norville. It's, it's time to hit the reset button again and, and go through there. But this organization and this administration was always going to be able to give him those three to five years to see what he can do. And I think this is going right into the plan of what they thought. Mike Norvell, even though he lost some recruiting battles in the early signing period and you know he's trying to figure out his transfers and everything, he's still doing the best he can for this program. And I think you know, Mike Norvell is really the best for the job right now. And I'm not saying this because my username is right there at the left, uh, Norvell Central. I'm not saying that because of that. I really do like Mike Norvell. I really do think he's a good coach. But I really do think that he is the best part of this program right now. I think he has a plan in place. I think he's very organized in what he does. I think his recruiting events this summer are going to be ridiculous and off the chain. I think they are going to be groundbreaking, just like they were this year. And you saw how other programs were basically just slipping it and shaking at their knees, basically, because Florida State was holding a – a midnight madness event at 12 o'clock on June the 1st. And they were all the talk because Mike Norvell had planned that out for months, you know, just talking about how he can be able to open up those doors, get into the Moore center, sell that excitement. And you saw that with the visits for Notre Dame and Miami, you know, even though we lost the Notre Dame game and we lost Jacksonville state the week after we still rebounded, beat our art travel in Miami and almost beat Florida. If it wasn't for a couple of things there at the end, I mean, there's a lot of good things to, base this season off of and you can't just keep harping on the negatives if you're going to keep harping on the negatives we're never going to get past this so if well, you God, that's you know what you're what you're saying though you, like you're <laughs> saying it without just saying it like for a guy to be eight and 13 is that what you said yeah mm-hmm. for a guy to have eight wins in two seasons and to be able to pull in the top 15 class yeah. i think you should lay off the staff a little bit yeah. Like, everybody focused on the one negative. Yeah, we lost out on some other early signees. I agree. But y'all let one kid control the whole day of what happened at not just Florida State. But I'm talking about across the country. This was on CNN. Like, oh, what the yeah. hell? Why is CNN talking about this kid flipping to another place? Who cares? Yep. Bye. Florida State's going to be Florida State. We're going to be Seminoles with or without TH. With or without the kid. We're Florida State. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I already so, said about the thing about Devon Mortimer, about me being critical about that and about how devastating that was. But you still have to realize life goes on. Yep. Well, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 
I'm pretty much done wrapped up. I want everybody to know we will definitely have on the gentleman that we said yeah. we're going to have on. Yeah. They have actually messaged. Well, one of them has messaged me since I've been on and they apologized and they want everybody to know that they'll, they'll definitely make up for it. They'll be on. So it's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, things happen. People have lives, you know, outside of getting on Chris and Taylor's podcast, things happen, <laughs> you know, but they do want to make it up. They will be on. Um, Y'all continue to follow us and watch us put out positive content while maybe others do not. Um, hopefully, we continue to rub off on those that don't, and they start putting out more positivity. Uh, I think that everybody's doing a great job right now. Uh, Y'all do need to check out the Twitter spaces. I think they're pretty cool. Me and Taylor's done one or two. One? And uh, we had a great time doing it. One that one, yeah. We had a great time doing it. Um, I listen to other spaces. Uh, it's it's really fun to me. I think it's a great. I'm surprised Twitter did something like that. To be honest, but anyways, get on there. You should try it. I enjoy it. Y'all will probably enjoy it. Um, I will have a new sponsor next week that I actually start getting to announce. Um, they've pretty much finished everything they need to finish, and I finished everything that I need to finish. You would not believe the amount of business and paperwork that you go through for a sponsor. But with that said. Um, I'm done. Taylor, if you want to throw anything out before it's over, go ahead. Uh, Let's see here. I am kind of getting back into the YouTube side of things, Uh, trying my best to to do a little bit more content on that end, especially with uh, the early signing period over with. You get that little bitty break right here where the dead period is still kind of happening. We'll be getting some visits in at the end of January, uh, potentially for some of these bigger recruits and transfers that we have, but uh, I'm slowly going to start doing that. So if anybody has any topics they want me to kind of hit on, uh, I kind of want to get that out, get some video content, maybe do like two or three videos a week, uh, putting something out there, maybe maybe a little short video. I don't want to bore you for 50 minutes or anything like that. I want to kind of get like maybe eight to 10 minutes, uh, just kind of give it on that topic. Um, and it's, you know, even if it's something that everybody asks a lot, I may just put it on there. Uh, some of my Instagram followers or something like that. So uh, that's something. Uh, my in, or my YouTube channel is just Norval Central. You can look it up. I have about, I don't know, maybe like 200 or 300 subscribers. Uh, hasn't been a whole lot, but I've only posted like five videos. One of them really blew up, so don't really know about that one. But, uh, yeah, I'm starting to do that. So that's going to be something I'm doing on the side uh, as I continue to do my Instagram account. Um but like I said, with anybody that watches the uh, podcast or anything and, and wants to ask any questions from me, um, I always have my Instagram uh, messages up. I always have my Twitter ones up as well. I don't get on Twitter that much, but I still see it. My phone still notifica- uh, notifies me every time something pops up. And don't be a stranger. I will never just not answer you. I will always answer whoever messaged me. I try my best at least. Uh, comments would be a different story, but if you direct message me, I'll definitely get back to you. So. But uh, I really appreciate it coming on here. I know this wasn't really what y'all expected today um, with the two guests that we were supposed to have on. They kind of had something pop up, like Chris said. But uh, hopefully we get some more good content out there for y'all. Um, and otherwise, I don't really have much. But um, I know Christmas is right around the corner. Christmas Eve is tomorrow and Christmas Day. So I just hope everybody's uh, going to have a safe trip going wherever they're going or staying at home, whatever the case is. I know that the, the COVID-19 pandemic is still out there. So 
be safe at whatever you do. Um, make sure you just you just use correct judgment in what you can do and um, just go from there. And uh, that's all I really got. Um, guys, I hope hope everybody has a good rest of the day and God bless. Yes, sir. I agree. Everybody, y'all have a good one. Uh, again, we'll have everybody that we said we'll have on. Trust me. They like us. We like them. They know it. Uh, y'all have a good one and go Noles.